I mean, we, we can hit on the survival stuff too, because Stella and I, I think that's going to be our new like bonding activity. Ooh. Yes. Let me know when um, I want to. You want to come go over? I'll go over to oh your place. My, I'm, I'm coming now. I'm, I'm coming after this podcast. Oh my god, um, I love alone so much. Welcome to Dungeons and Dinners, where the love of fantasy is food for thought. I'm your host, Brett Lindley, and that was a sample from today's conversation with two incredible guests, Malika Lim Eubank and Stella Chu. Malika is the CEO of Hyper RPG, and Stella is well known for her immaculate cosplays. Today, we talk about a whole host of topics, from getting retweeted by Cardi B, how wood carving and sewing are alike, transforming YouTubers and streamers into their own cosplay characters, and so, so much more. If you want to hear a bonus full-length After Dark episode of Explicit Nonsense with Malika, Stella, and myself after this episode, or you just want to support the podcast in general to help fund future endeavors, consider a donation over at patreon.com slash dungeonsanddinners. At the $5 level and above, you'll get access to an exclusive bonus minisode every week and the entire backlog of bonus minisodes. That's four additional episodes a month for only $5. So if you enjoy our conversation today and want to hear an entire episode's worth of bonus content, head on over to patreon.com slash dungeonsanddinners and help keep this podcast ad-free. Let's get on with the conversation. Welcome. Take a seat anywhere. We'll be right with you. And as I said in the intro, we are joined today at the Dungeons and Dinners table by two amazing guests, Malika Lim Eubank and Stella Chu. Uh, how are you two doing today? And welcome to the Dungeons and Dinners table. And Hello. I'm just so excited because these are like two of the things I could talk about all day long. Yeah. Well, we can. I we could go as long as you can. So <laughs> I'm excited. Great, great. I'm I'm astounded to have you here. Um, so this is uh, this is something that I've been wanting to do an episode on for a very long time. Uh, I've talked about it in a number of my other episodes, and uh, having people that are in more of the maker space, more of the cosplay space, um, and some different avenues as far as streaming is concerned, I'm really excited. So uh, whichever of you would like to go first. Uh, if you could both kind of introduce yourselves, give us a little history about who you are and what you do uh, in the space. Oh, Stella, take it away. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm Stella Chu. I'm a cosplayer and streamer, content creator. I've been doing this for like 10 years now. And um, yeah, I'm most known for cosplaying for sure, because not only do I make cosplays for myself, but I also do a lot of cosplays for uh, uh, streamers and YouTubers. And I want to become like that person that everyone goes to to like get a cosplay made. So that's been really, really fun. Uh, like some people I've worked with, like King Vader or Offline TV um, or some people. And then I've also done a bunch of like other cool shows. Uh, I worked with Ven TV for uh, like a couple of their things. And um, yeah, and I also really love baking. Uh, so that's like a good dinner thing. Oh, and then also, of course, for the Hyper RPG, I did a whole like uh, tabletop like game with them for months it was with uh, valiant comics so that was awesome she's not only uh likes baking she's really good at it too <laughs> <laughs> that helps <laughs> yeah absolutely uh well my name is malika lim eubank i'm the ceo of hyper rabbit media where slash hyper rpg on twitch and elsewhere on the web we do all sorts of live interactive content but my background is in game design and I also really love to cook. My father was an executive chef, 
And, you know, sometimes the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, her food is amazing. It's it's hard not to pick those some of those things up. Like you just get exposed to it at an early age. It's all around you. And and yeah. So um, there are there are so many avenues that I want to run down a little bit, but you both mentioned it. I seen it in your profile. So I want to bring it up and make sure that it is a prime has a prime focus and shout out at the, the start of the episode is hyper RPG. So if you can give us a little bit more uh, background on on what that is and, and what you guys are doing with that, that would be I'm, I'm excited to hear some more on that one. Absolutely. Well, Hyper RPG has been around for about half a decade now. I founded it with my husband, uh, Zach Lim Eubank, and Jordan Wiseman, um, great creators in both video production and game design. And the heart of that was to create interactive live content for nerds like us. So we've been on quite a journey. We feature travel content, cooking content, talk shows, and of course, uh, we're pretty well known for our tabletop RPG actual plays. I was the GM of Power Rangers Hyperforce, and we have a fun Kids on Bikes campaign. It's now on hiatus because of this pandemic, but it's called Colock 1991, and that one's a uh, spoopy fun and very also proud of the valiant uh, comic book RPG we had featuring Stella and some amazing other talent. Yeah, that's awesome. You guys that's have just been some highlights. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? It's also, so being in the game design space, um, you know, I've always been uh, kind of dabbling with with those types of things. Ever since I was a little kid, I was more I, I didn't have access to a friend group to play a lot of games with. So I started dissecting rule books and of anything that I could get my hands on, like you know, battle tech, you know, tabletop games, anything that I could kind of figure out the rules on. Uh, I was, I only had so much time on the computer to play like command and conquer and things, but I had Legos and note cards. So, you know, I loved making up different types of rules and ways to expand my creativity and, and find ways to interact with stuff in new ways. So I love to see more people in the game design space making interactive content. I think the internet has only made that more accessible and allowed us to do even cooler and crazier things. So I'm excited to see what, what you guys come up with next. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, uh, uh, one thing that I guess kind of makes me like interesting as a game designer is I'm also really in love with amusement parks, which also oftentimes, uh, feature food experiences. But if you're ever in Los Angeles, there's a micro amusement park called two bit circus. And I design a couple of games there. That'd be really cool. Yeah, I have not made it out that way yet, but we are starting that's with with restrictions starting to lift and, and being vaccinated. Uh, travel is becoming an option. So, um, so Stella, you mentioned 10 years uh, cosplaying and, and also expanding into something that we do see some more and more, but I think is still somewhat rare in the space from my experience is doing cosplay for others. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's that definitely is that next evolution. It's something that, in fact, I've only like done a cosplay for myself once, but I love making props for other people because I don't have the space in my house to, to keep all of it. Yeah. <laughs> so if I could give it away. Um, so what brought you to, was it just kind of a natural evolution for you to start making things for other people or? 
Um, so what ended up happening was like for forever, I was kind of just being like, hey, everyone, look at this thing like I'm wearing like a me, 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 I'm the model. And then I, you know, it's it's like gets boring after a while, uh, especially when I just wanted to kind of I got into cosplay because I really loved learning how to make things and like using my hands and like getting down and dirty. Uh, like right now I have like four 3D printers, uh, three resin printers, uh, a extra large cnc machine uh and a bunch of other tools i'm i am becoming a machinist and i love it i want to be like a gearhead uh so or is so that the jealous. right word for it <laughs> is, is gearhead the right word or a grease monkey i don't know what it, sure. whatever it is yeah yeah so i want to uh i i love that aspect of it but i don't want it to be like the, the my profession i don't i don't want to lose the sense of of taking ownership of what I do. So I, I don't really like doing commissions. Like I don't want to become a prop house that like whose main job is to just like provide people stuff on Etsy. Uh, what I really wanted to do was kind of provide people with an experience. And uh, what ended up happening was a show that I, I did, we called it Stella Transforms. And that's when I took like famous YouTubers and streamers and brought them onto a live stream and like fed them and then put makeup on their face, put a wig on them. And then like they changed into the outfit, handed them the weapon. And uh, we even had this cool LED wall that would change backgrounds and we would have them stand in front of it. It looked like they were in the forest or like on a like cool battlefield and stuff. So uh, then take pictures and it looked super dope. So that was awesome. Like my favorite thing is like seeing people's eyes light up when they realize that they're not the same person they saw in the mirror a second ago. It's so great to to be able to really embody a character. Like once you get that last piece of an outfit on and it's something just kind of clicks and you're like, oh, I don't have to be me anymore. Mm-hmm. And and I that's a I think you also keyed in on another thing that I absolutely love. I consider myself a maker. Uh, I've mentioned a lot of times that my hobby is collecting hobbies um, mm-hmm. because I just love learning different things. I love to learn to, to sculpt or paint or how it's made or how it works. But I think that you really keyed on something that I find near and dear is that I like crafting experiences that for me, it's not just enough to like serve somebody a a dish that's cooked that like is enjoyable. Mm -hmm. I want the whole thing. I I want them to come over before I start prepping. I want there to be open conversation while I'm chopping up vegetables or whatever. And I want them to, to smell garlic and onions sauteing because that starts bringing in that kind of that anticipation that something's going on. And and I think that in the same way that a a horror game, you don't start with a, the game doesn't open with a jump scare. The game opens with a a dark lit area, a a tunnel to crawl through or a dark hallway, some flickering lights. Mm -hmm. You don't just bring the monster out right away. And I think that that's the same thing that I don't want to just serve somebody food. I want to build an entire experience for them if I'm going to have somebody over for dinner. So I love the idea of doing taking that kind of idea and also applying it to cosplay where you're kind of tailoring a whole experience for them. So it's not just go in the bathroom and put this on and come out and take pictures. It's it's a whole day or a whole time frame that you can sit and really embody and engross yourself in the entire idea of cosplay. Yeah. And I especially love when I can personalize it for people because sometimes I don't like, maybe they'll be like, oh, I I don't want to wear a wig with it or I don't need it to be accurate. And then I'll be like, all right, then send me your logo and I'm going to throw it somewhere hidden onto the costume. So it's like, this is yours. This is part of your brand and stuff because a lot of the streamers and YouTubers, like they're not really interested in like, you know, uh, 
taking someone's IP, like they still want to make it their own, right? And so like for disguised toast, um, he wanted to be Saitama from One Punch Man. And so I was like, Oh, can I also like make you like a toast, like mascot head? And so yes. I made that for him as well as like, there's a bunch of like emblems uh, on on his costume that I was like, you know, I'm just gonna replace it with like toasts uh, logo and stuff. So that that was fun. It also helps to have a 3D printer for things like that. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the amount of things that you can do once you have any kind of 3D printer that, especially nowadays, the, the quality on them has come up so much. I started 3D printing probably about six or seven years ago, and it was yeah. very much so like build it and figure it out yourself. Yeah, it was so expensive uh, back then too, and now it's like yeah, cheap. it was really. Oh my god. The, the, my current 3D printer is like a tenth the cost of my first one and, and a zillion times better. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you so, guys... Um, oh, I didn't mean to... <laughs> no, 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 no. Go, please. No, I think you bring up something that I love about game design, too. Um, I love people watching, and many game designers do, especially like if you're designing amusement park games. Uh, you can just sit back and pretend... Oh, I'm just tired at the park. I'm taking a break on this bench here. But you're really spying on people playing your game and you're reading the emotions off their yes. face. And I guess I'm like hard on myself or I have confidence issues or whatever. But I know those faces, those expressions on people's faces, whether they're playing my game or they're eating a meal, it's really hard to fake you like it. Um, yes. And it's doubly true when it's for children. So I, I, I was uh, chosen to show one of my games um, at a game festival called Come Out and Play uh, in New York. And I asked the kids after I played the game with them, do you want to do it again? And one little girl like jumped up and raised her hand and says, yes. And I'm like, yes, because children won't lie to you about that stuff. No, they won't. And yeah. getting, <laughs> getting that genuine expression of delight is like, you can say any compliment in the world, but when I can read it on yeah. you and you don't have to say something, like that means more. You like don't say anything. I don't need you to say anything. Like if you take a bite of food and that like little micro smile and the like softening of the eyes, like you could tell they're actually tasting it. It's like that's what I live for. That's what I want. And yeah, I think in and in the same way, and like you said, in people watching. It's hard. It is hard to fake body language. It's easy to fake like, oh, yeah, I was fine. I enjoyed it. That was great. But when you see that one person that kind of like shivers with excitement, and they tense up like it's like that's where you know that that element that you've designed works. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or like people can't fake a laugh if they're like playing yeah. your game and they're laughing like, <laughs> OK, this is my my small flex. I'm I'm stupidly proud of this. Somebody tagged me on Instagram once and it was Cardi B and you know, she's very like big. Oh. She's big. Yeah, just a little. She's she, happy. Yeah, I've heard of her. You know? and, uh, <laughs> well, well, not big in like, well, obviously big, like lots of followers, super talented, that kind of thing. Well known, but like, she also has an exuberant personality. And right. so if she's laughing and like almost squealing with joy and it was my game, I'm like, Oh, okay. I can hang my coat now. I don't have to design any right. more games. I have, I have achieved it. So um, that was that was a, a moment of, of a lot of pride and joy for me. But I didn't even have to ask her, what did you think of my work? You know, that's right. that's yeah. what I think we're all trying to chase, whether it be food, costumes. It's 
gifting an experience to somebody is worth the million words. Yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I think that, and I, and I also agree the, the compliment you don't request that is like a genuine, like I've just been doing this. I've been putting things out there and I'm not expecting any reward because I'm doing it because I love it. And some random person that I've never met comes out of the woodwork and says, Hey, your content's amazing. Like, it it's it's kind of a shock value because it comes at a moment you're never expecting it when it happens and and it's such a, a beautiful thing it's not something that i'm out to get but when it happens it it, it is an exquisite treat mm-hmm. so um you've both mentioned uh cooking as kind of a, a cornerstone in you know the way that you guys approach the world and the, the way that you uh, interact with and love the world of course everybody's got to eat but I've got to know, uh, with a with a small flex like a Cardi B comment. <laughs> I'm um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like kind of a, a jerk for bringing it up, but it was no, like flex. it was such a surprise because like, hey Malika, like somebody you know when when somebody tags you on social media, you don't know what it could be. It could be a complaint. Right. It could be a hot take. It could be like, oh, well, puppy. <laughs> you know, Stella Stella sends me like the funniest and cutest stuff all the time. It brings me so much joy. She's just like, a, and it's, um, most of the time it's like private. So like nobody knows how like generous and thoughtful and like clever and smart oh. Stella is, I think. <laughs> but you know, like opening my TikTok, it's cool to scroll the feed, but it's also cool to see what Stella has curated for me. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm making you your personal feed. That's right. Better than the algorithm. Yes. yes truly emotionally connected. <laughs> <laughs> so so and no, I, I am hundred percent shout from the mountaintops because nobody else is gonna shout for you. Yeah. Like like flex, do it. Um so in in that regard, uh, we'll start with you, Malika. If you are gonna flex on your <laughs> cooking skills, like oh, no. I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming over. What are you throwing down? Uh, oh my gosh! Well, um, let me back up. I'm a school snob. I like love school. I'm such a nerd, and I respect people who've gone through school so much. I went to too much art school. It, you know, <laughs> and there's so, such a thing. <laughs> yes, there's a, such a thing okay. as okay. too much art school. I went to an art magnet middle school, high school. I got my undergrad degree in art, and then I did my graduate work in art. So Ooh. I think sometimes you can overdo it. Um, <laughs> and nothing will compare to that unless I want to pour another like two to three decades into more school and another subject. So right. I, uh, I have utmost respect for um, people who've come up through the kitchens, people who've come up through cooking school. My father was one of them. And also shout out, speaking of my father, people who come up through cooking school, but through community college or those kinds of programs. Those yes. are incredible. They're amazing. Like trade school and cook programs. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. They're re- and they don't get like a lot, enough love. No, and no. um I'm just so deeply respectful of people who have come up that way. And especially like, I got a shout out to like my queer folks, my women of color, you know, it's, it's a boy's playground in the kitchen, which is so stupid and not fair because it's built off the backs of like, what did like Brown grandmas make, you exactly. know? Like, yeah. 
Yeah, um, some some of the best recipes I've had is like shout out to to my southern brown grandmas because that's how you cook. Yes. That's how you learn how to cook. <laughs> yes. So, um, speaking of a show, I have a show where I interview people and then I make them a meal just for them. Uh, Stella is one of my first guests. So I'd have to do a little bit more digging about you. I want to be conscious of, you know, if you have any kind of food preferences, intolerances, religious things. Uh, I want to respect where you come from. But if I can create a moment of nostalgia or a touchstone of maybe where you've been and where you're going, that's kind of what I try to do with like my food experiences. That is that is such a blessed answer. Um, because no, because like you're just straight up saying like, I, I can't decide until I know more. And I would want to know, like bringing in somebody's history, like tailoring something to like a historic or a moment in their life or a memory, like a sense that, that triggers them. Like food is such an experience and to be acutely aware of that in, in your response, that's, that's glorious. That's <laughs> uh, it's also a cop out, so I don't have to throw down a recipe. <laughs> I mean, I, there was a part of me that was thinking, like, all right, we'll just drill, we'll drill. Yeah. But I'm like, no, I really respect that answer. I think that's great. <laughs> Stella, are you gonna are you gonna just glom on the back of that, or you got uh, something for me? I have some stuff. So I am not a good cook, but I I've been teaching myself baking. And when I yeah. say baking, I mean like I want to learn everything there is to know about bread. And there we go. So, yeah, during the pandemic, I really like jumped hard into learning how to bake, and every weekend just like finding new recipes to work on and stuff. Um, I would say like. If I were to like, if you had like a barbecue and I was coming over and I had to like bring a few things, then I would bring cream puffs, right? For sure. Cause Ooh, like yes, shoe yes. pastry, I love shoe pastry so much. It's so easy and it's so tasty. And like, all you know, like a cream patissiere is so good in the middle. Yes. Um, so then also I, I've made the Japanese cheesecake before and it is so Ooh. good. Cause like Japanese the, like the fluffy is, jiggly one. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm. It's, it's completely different. Like, chemical like a uh, uh, composition than like american cheesecake because american cheesecake right. when you imagine it, it's like this like dense block of cream cheese mm-hmm. but with japanese cheesecake you have to imagine like almost angel food cake and it's just yeah. like so light and fluffy and when it's, you there's bite a bit into of it, souffle the, to it yeah you can yeah. hear all the bubbles popping in your mouth and the thing about those cakes is that like souffles like they deflate right but like with the japanese mm-hmm. cheesecake they don't deflate they like stay and stick around for a couple of days so it's, it's so good uh the jiggle yeah. is almost raw <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's like it, i want to make it into a booty next time <laughs> so yeah it's like get a booty for your cheesecake yes. i i get emotional i'm like that's lewd and i want it <laughs> mm-hmm. that, you know what any any food that can get the tingles out of you is you know and just again they say you eat with your eyes first right so oh yeah i mean i am a sucker for cute food you know that whole trend where you make the food look like a cute character of some kind like a like an anime character like a ghibli character little cute cats oh my god that makes the food taste way better for me (laughs) for me there's a point where it gets to where like i can't eat it now because i have a thing about like ruining perfect things no like, i'm the same i'm the same way with like a blank sheet of paper like i i get I, all of my best art is on like lined notebook paper because then it's already kind of messy it's already it's not meant for drawing so i feel a lot freer 
like a white piece of paper. I'm like, I'm going to ruin its pristineness by putting my scribbles on it. You know? In the same way, I don't think I could eat something that cute because I would just like, I... I'm going to cry. I'm just going to destroy this beautiful thing you made. <laughs> like... Do it. Destroy it. It's like when people do um, like almost realistic cute animals and then you yes. slice the head off. Mm, <laughs> can't. I, I can do an ugly animal cracker. I can do. Those things are all malformed to begin with. But if, like, if it's too real, it's like, this is a bat. Like, hang it. I will hang it on a wall before I will eat it. Like... <laughs> I. I used to be that way when I was younger, especially when you said I you can't draw on like a nice piece of paper. When I started art school, um, they gifted me like a bound sketchbook. First time mm -hmm. in my life, it wasn't a spiral or perforated, so I could tear out the sheets. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I can't commitment. Like my right. drawings aren't worthy for this weight of paper. Exactly. And uh, there is a great illustrator. I will remember his name or you can put it in the podcast notes. He had the same issue. And so he had to put aside the nice notebook he got from the art supply store. And he had to get some cheapo newsprint pad to let himself go. Um, but then, like, I think especially people of color, you deserve to draw on that 100, 200, 300 pound paper. You know, you deserve to eat that cake. And <laughs> I feel like, especially with food, you are what you eat and those good things go inside of you and that gratitude and that appreciation and that acknowledgement, you're probably overwhelmed with, man, like look at, like when Stella makes one of those like cute little anime, like <laughs> macarons, exactly. It's like, I, I feel like I take it, it's kind of religious. Like you, no, yeah. you, you acknowledge, wow, this person who made this had like time, skill, and heart, but like by eating it, it's like the ultimate full circle. Like I, I've taken that into my heart, like, you know? They are yeah. offering it to yeah. you and they are, yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree with that. And you know, there's, there's only, I'm only like 18 months into my self self-worth therapy. So we're still working on it, <laughs> but I, I think eventually I could do it. Um, but no, I do agree that like, cause that's what I'm trying to give to other people. Even if it's not like, I still do plate presentation, even for very simple dishes, there's, there's ways that you can do it. And I think that that is part of it is like, I want to make sure that that experience is something that you can draw into yourself. And that is me giving my time and devotion to you. So yeah, no, I whole, I a hundred percent wholeheartedly agree with that. Destroy so, the cute um, <laughs> You know what? Hey, you know, we we we've talked about fostering uh, uh, baby bunny feelings. Like, <laughs> like it's easy to it's easy to like push feelings away or destroy feelings. Like, I don't want to feel the feelings uh, until I describe feelings as like little baby bunny feelings that you don't want to kill. You you want to? They're like there's just like a little anger. It's gonna run around. It doesn't know what it's doing. You don't want to run it over with a lawnmower. You've got to let them <laughs> grow and experience all of the different emotions so that you can you can incorporate them more easily so <laughs> but sometimes you got to destroy the cute things <laughs> well okay uh i i've learned a lot from like other people it's not like oh i've learned a lot but like um you know you guys are we're nerds here can we can mm -hmm. we come together as like a comfortable like yes. we're past that point we're in yeah, this magic yeah. circle together okay so there's this um incredible uh 
woman I met in Bangkok. She is a judge for many like uh, baristas and coffee competitions, and she's traveled the world uh, writing reviews for cafes for like magazines. Like what a life, what a life, right? And she offers this course on how to like appreciate coffee. And then even she said, but at the end of the day, it's just coffee and drink it however the F you want. You know, you want to add like nitrogen, you want to add dairy, you don't want to add, it's just coffee. It's just coffee. And I I love that uh, people who make food oftentimes, um, you know, they they make sculpture, but that sculpture isn't forever. That sculpture is ephemeral and they... They don't treat their work so precious, you know, and that's extremely freeing as a creative. And I'll just leave you this one last thing. My father, who I look up to a lot as an executive chef, he used to say to me, oh, my God, since childhood, it's like his, you know, he's Chinese. He has this whole like uh, Confucius stuff. So I'm like, OK, dad. Um, <laughs> and he would say, uh, eat to live, don't live to eat. And I'm like, what is that supposed to mean? Like, is that like uh uh, don't gain weight thing. Like what? It was so, it was so weird. It's, it's so strange. Something like it was missing in translation, but after like cooking for a long time and knowing my father through these decades and, and growing up, I recognize that it's just food. And there's the whole other flip side of people who don't even have the privilege to play like this, you know? And so I, I, I always have that at the back of no matter like, Oh, I get like so anxious. I've done food competitions now. Um, and like you get all caught up and at the end of the day, it's like, it's just food. You want, you know, it's to here to feed us and like make us feel good. You know, that, that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I work in like permanent media, which is, you know, cosplay. And then like, after you make it, it just has to live in the world forever. Yep. So so baking is like so freeing for me to be able to be like, oh, yeah, it looks ugly. Who cares? Like, it doesn't taste good. Who cares? I'll just fix it for next time. With cosplay, it's like, I don't really want to fix it for next time because I just spent 200 hours making this one thing. I'm not going to make it again. Yes. I I am learning. But on the same note, though, like taking those experiences and and letting go and letting yourself be free when you make something, I've been trying to transition to permanent media in ways like, I, I messed around and like I wanted to pick up acry- acrylics and I was like, I'm going to force myself to do abstract first mm-hmm. because landscape is like, you know, you get that perfectionism in you, but abstract, you there's literally no messing up. It is, it is mess up. It is feeling on a page. It is chaos. And coming from a side of perfectionism, forcing myself to let go and just allow my body to produce it, like not think about it, disengage the brain, not care if it is becoming what I imagined it would be, has allowed me to take some of that into when I'm working on a, a sculpture. I've, I, there, I used to be a person that would re-sculpt the same thing a hundred times and then never finish it because I see the flaws. But I'm, I've gotten a lot better at other people don't know the experience that went into this. They don't know how many hours that went into it. They don't know what I like or dislike about it. It's up to, it's subjective for them. And allowing a piece to be subjective for others rather than some false objective truth for myself frees me to let those mistakes exist. And I may see them, but that doesn't mean that if I gift it to somebody, 
they're not going to see the mistakes and the missed brush strokes and the tiny piece of a fingerprint that's barely visible under three coats of paint. They're going to see the love and appreciation that I put into it for them. No, I hope so. Right. But, but it is. And so like, so freeing myself to express through other art forms has actually come back and helped me with some of working in more permanent media. Uh, I actually have a question for both of you. uh, Piggybacking off of that, if you don't mind. So I, I've been very fortunate to work in a lot of media and I love the tough stuff, metalwork, stone carving, all that stuff. Because um, what you were talking about, Brett, I think a lot of people can uh, relate to, oh, I'm going to draw this and I'm going to erase it, or control Z, control Z, you know, depending on what medium you're using. Yep. But if you're carving like marble, oh no, you can't go back because it's a reductive yeah. form of artwork. Um, have you guys worked in a medium like that? And did it teach you anything? I mean, all the time. Because uh, like everything I do... Uh, in its own way is reductive eventually because like, to finish it off because like you've already you know spent like you know 200 hours 3d printing the thing and then you sanded it and then like it you know oh yeah I, this one time i dropped a marin delorean and helmet off the back of my car because i forgot i put it on the back of my car oh, and no. i drove away and then it rolled off the back and then like oh. split in two and then uh still sitting in my garage i haven't fixed it yet um, wait no was that the, like the shiny beautiful one i admired like a while back oh no oh that was are you gonna like in do uh, the inlay with gold and like highlight the (laughs) nah i'm just going to um so i like soldered the crack and filled it with some epoxy and i haven't like quite gotten back to it to like clean it up yet we'll see that's a that's heartbreaking yeah, and then now I like literally have a machine that is like all reductive, right? It's a CNC, so like, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like I, I always make a lot of, a lot of mistakes, and like, um, I mean, it sucks, but at least I'm not like putting it up for sale or at a museum, so that's you know, I'm like, oh, and do this for the internet, <laughs> yeah, yet, yet. Although I will say that eventually, I would like to make like full ass art pieces like legit art pieces that cost you know like a corporate paycheck or something it's just like someone's gonna hang it in there in their lobby that would be nice get get in the lofts you know it's Mm -hmm. there's all it is is the difference in price all you got to do is jack your price up about 100x and you could call any of your cosplay pieces executive (laughs) art forms oh geez (laughs) no i've uh so a, there's a number of art forms that I've done that are like a lot of the sculpture I've done is kind of additive, but I have very recently, this is going to seem, it, this may be a weird take. I don't know. Uh, I've recently become kind of obsessed with like stone age technology. And I, I go through like every now and again, I get the survival kick. Like I want to go camping with nothing. Um, but I, I learned that the, I live kind of in the Midwest U S and there's, uh, the stone that's available around here, like the most common stone that I thought it was kind of worthless. Um, and we don't have dirt here. We have like an inch of soil and then it's just solid rock. And, oh. But all of that stone is actually like a really prime candidate for making stone tools like arrowheads and like hand axes and, and spearheads and things. And so when I learned this, I was like, well, I want to know how it's done. I want to play with it. But that is, it's so outside of my comfort zone because I'm not bringing like a Dremel 
and a, and a handsaw. I'm literally just going and grabbing like one stone and I'm going to hit another stone with it. And there's a part of my brain that's like trying to find the most optimal like method of doing this or like I've got to learn it. So I've got to figure it out. But there's this other part of me that's like there's kind of an instinct here that if you if you stop thinking about it and just let your body do it like there's a lot more history in doing that in like your DNA than you may realize. And it, I don't know, it was, it was really kind of an interesting experience to go out and make something sharp, kind of almost like there was some intention there, but it didn't feel like it was me, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, the reason why I brought that up is I love to go like caveman mode on, um, just like, you know, um, yep. I, I, rem- I remember I had this like epiphany in art class. I was doing ceramics. The uh, assignment was a self-portrait. So, oh, you got to do the face, the human face. And I got to look like right. your face. And then like, it can't just be a regular portrait. You have to like do things growing out of your head or like, you know what I mean? Like that's kind <laughs> of the assignment. You got to express yourself right, through your art in right. your art. And I think people got in their head literally and figuratively and they were all like, carefully like carving out the eyes and the nose and stuff and i took a big ass paddle i maybe it was the queer side coming out of me and i whacked (laughs) that thing into shape you know i was like i know my face is flat and then it you know it started going from a sphere to somebody with a big head and a flat face cool you know i have a decent jawline let's sharpen that up and i was (laughs) i was really violent with the clay and um natural materials absorb your feelings really well just like your pets um not aggressive ones i'm saying like you're anxious and your dog's like a sponge anyways uh i digress but when i can abuse the material like that because certain materials you can't like if you're doing silver point silver point etching you know right uh but when i can you know like when you can abuse the stone yes the objective (laughs) is something pointy yeah yeah you you can't be soft with it you yes, it's not yes. going to accept you. You're going to have to demand that it take your form. You're right. going to have to, your intention has to fight its will. Yeah. Or like metal work. I feel like I put away that anxiety and that perfectionism because I have to like caveman this together. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I think that's, I, I think it is interesting to work. And so, because like on the flip side, you've got something like porcelain clay on a pottery wheel. If you whisper at it a negative thought, it'll just fall apart oh and melt into a into a puddle. But, you know, so there are materials that you have to be very fine and delicate mm-hmm. and careful with. But there are other materials like I I respect anybody that any kind of stone sculpture or stone masonry. Like I am always in awe. I was at the park the other day and there's a new kind of pillar of like love the earth in like four languages and has peace totems all around it and all of these beautiful carvings. I'm like, I don't know how you glue stone together. And I'm thinking about like, thinking a lot about like, like how is that done? But at the same time, just respecting that you've got to project a lot of will to get stone to do what you want it to. So I I feel that like you've got to, you can't just have a thought and say, maybe I want it like this. You've got to really put it in there. Like you are going to be this. Well, uh, actually, I I disagree. So there's two things. One is, and we can stop talking about rocks. (laughs) Um, Rocks. Yeah, rocks rock. Uh, Rock, rock. I mean, we we can hit on the survival stuff, too, because Stella and I, I think that's going to be our new, like, bonding activity. 
Let me know when um, wanna, we, you want to come go over. I'll go over oh, to your place. I, we'll I, I'm alone. coming now. I'm, I'm coming after this podcast. Oh my god, um, I love alone so much. Um, yes. Uh, so uh, first of all, uh, cheap person stone carving. If anybody wants to get into this shit, this is how you do it. Uh, cast like a block of plaster. That's how you practice. Because no. marble yeah. is hella expensive, hella right. heavy. And um, I don't want to be one of those sculptors that like people die because they dropped it on them when they were installing it. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's always paranoid me. Um, so I need to be able to carry it, right? Yep. So you can practice with plaster. And because plaster is white, um, I've also done this with chocolate. I visualize my final piece is in a giant glass of milk. And I'm drinking the milk. <laughs> okay. And then, like it's kind of going down slowly. And then the sculpture is emerging in my giant glass of okay, milk. Okay, no, I do get really it. I do. So like the sculptures are there just drinking yeah. the milk around it. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like uh, in all of that, like the superhero who was lactose intolerant. And then he's like in a vat of milk and he has to drink. Okay. All right. Uh, I have weird thoughts. Um, and then... Uh, no, we're we're weird here. The circle yeah. is already made. Yeah, the that's right. All right, all right. Welcome, <laughs> welcome everybody. I feel so at home. Thank you for making me feel welcome. Good. Um, and then the other thing was, uh, you know, um, like people think like ink is permanent or stone. Yes and no. There's also a dialogue you're having, not a monologue yes. where you're. Yes. I know I said caveman on it. You're you're not like whipping it into shape necessarily. Because sometimes you can go with a natural grain, you that know, you find, right? Or a huge part, like it, like micro fractured in a way, and a huge part like fell off. Yep. But like, there's, you know, Rodan. He's a great study on not how to be a good human, but uh, <laughs> accepting the natural not many of the material. Old are. Yeah, I know. It's just, uh, <laughs> um. So yeah, I I think if you if you're not hung up on, oh, and now it's forever, or like, I love the environment, and I'm like, oh, I can't believe, like, you know, we cut a block from this mountain, so I could F off this uh, foot uh-huh. I'm trying to carve or whatever. Like, if you can let go of that and be like, oh, but maybe there's a statement in this foot with no toe. You know, like, to <laughs> yeah, what is it trying to teach me that I'm yeah. being too hard headed yeah. to accept? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's very true in like the grain of something. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's very true because you you get it. it's like the perfect shape and you're like I know what this can be it looks just like this but the grain is the wrong direction and it can't be that oh my god so. yeah dude when I sew with fabric it, there's you know when I feel like um people who sew will easily get into carpentry just because you already understand that there's differences in materials so like w- grain on a on wood I'm like oh yeah it's like the direction of the fat the, the thread like the weave mm-hmm. on fabric like I get it there's no there's no difference it's the same yeah no also, it's also it's who, easier to cut this way than that way yeah also people who sew have a special kind of intelligence that will always fascinate me of looking at a 3D shape and making yeah. the flat version of it. Yes. Right? That's yes. a special intelligence. I, I, It's something like I've yet to take up too much sewing because I know it's, again, another thing that I'm going to have to learn everything about that I just don't have the time for. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm working, hope I'm kind of hoping that my wife are like, well, I'll, I'll get you the really, really nice sewing machine if you if you I, if you get my yeah. forms down because <laughs> i don't i can't break that down that way 
I taught myself how to sew from YouTube, but I think nowadays it's so much easier to learn how to sew because you can cut out all the fat of like the the tools you don't need. And for for making like garments and your, your home for yourself, there's only like like 10 things you need to learn. And then that's it. And then it's just like, oh, I can make anything now. So I believe do it. <laughs> I, I, I'm i gonna eventually I, I am dedicated that like, I don't have a time frame yet, but I, I want to there's a lot of projects I want to do. But I am dedicated to doing uh, a, a Pokemon James. Like yes! I want to do, I want to do. You would be so a, good. Yeah, I think yeah. I can pull that off. And I want to, and I'm gonna get you know some 3D printed or make some stuffies. Like I want an Ekans. I want you know I want Coffee. trinkets to go with it. Yep, yep. Yeah. Like I so I think I could do a floating like do some some tricks with fishing wire or something get a floating coughing to go with me or a wiggly ekans i would love so i'm gonna do uh, there's a lot of jessies and i would love to go to a convention and just pair up with any random jesse and Yay. be a james like Yay. i feel like it's I, and also i think that uh, we mentioned some of this might go in the the patreon bit but we'll we'll give maybe a sneak peek is that jesse is so gender fluid that i would oh love God. to do some of those more like like jesse in a swimsuit like and so like some of those things like that, that kind of push those boundaries i i want to get into some of that and play with it yeah one of the one of the episodes that was like banned in america he had like full-on boobies and stuff yeah and they're like bigger than jesse's and jesse's bad yeah. <laughs> like yeah that's what i love about i would do it and japan 100%, give me a prosthesis yeah. on like, right? like there's so okay with like people presenting trans but like i mean japan had to, like legislation doesn't believe in that stuff but like the the right. people the culture is like oh yeah people who cross dress totally normal all over the place yeah, yeah. people who are a different gender than what they're bor born with totally normal yeah. yeah and i'm here for it and i want to i, I want to kind of push some of those boundaries and get that representation out there because i think it's still it's less taboo now but i think i'm weird enough and confident enough that I can I can overstep some of those and make some people uncomfortable and then throw pokeballs at them. <laughs> yeah. I think I also like um with like I don't know I guess the TikTok took over my entire pandemic time and so like TikTok just like <laughs> made me alone. believe that the world is actually like super fine with like queer people. <laughs> like I, I know that that's not what the real world is really like, but uh, like no longer am I do I believe people care about like normal like you know ideas of like sexualization but now they're just they want like you know men who wear like leather straps and mm -hmm. you know do thirst traps and stuff and and like women who are like more masculine in like a button down right like they, people oh man people love that stuff because i see more views on those than people who present normative <laughs> yeah cisgender's out <laughs> queers yeah, in right like, so <laughs> anymore. like so old school like we don't even want that we want what's new and cool which is like <laughs> be clear i just like to see people who are freed whether yes. you identify male female uh in between all the things you know nothing um like we i think we all feel trapped in um those labels and i made a conscious effort uh during the pandemic to shop all sections for clothing hmm. you know and whether or not it, it might be like a little hard for me to find my size for example in the toddler section uh but like just shopping all sections for clothing 
And I just felt so free. I, I like those shoes. Are Can I find them in my size? Great. Can I, you know, I like that hat. I like that belt. I like those pants, you know, and uh, that like that small little thing made me feel so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's it's really liberating because like I think just as much as it is liberating to see all the different forms of expression, I think there's a bigger conversation that's starting to evolve on it's okay to not know and that experimenting is okay. Like you don't have to say like, I'm not cis, so I'm going to present as whatever. You can say, I'm figuring it out. And you can't figure it out until you try it on, until you play around with it, until you shop for it, until you let yourself be free enough to even think about expressing in various different ways. And you may try an expression that you thought you were interested in, but once you put it on and embody it, you're like, nah, this isn't quite for me. But some pieces of it may be, and and that just helps further you get in tune with yourself. And I think that's the conversation that it it's can be easy on the outside kind of looking in to say like, well, they already know how they want to express. So I'm glad that they can express that way, but I don't know what I want to do yet. So I don't feel welcomed there. And the, but the, the amount of love that I've seen of like, no, try it on, try whatever, do whatever, be something one day and be a cryptid the next die in a puddle of moss and resurrect as a phoenix and like you could be different hour to hour within the day and that's okay and i love that that's the conversation that's starting to evolve out of this yeah <laughs> but i think that like cosplay and maker spaces go so well in line with that because it is about trying on a different character every day and and putting in the effort and the time to create something that you can't buy at a store that doesn't just exist. Now it's getting a little easier to do some of that, but in finding what you love and finding a way to express it for yourself and then taking that expression and putting it on display, like cosplay is not to be hidden. It's to be shared with the world. It's Halloween every day. And yeah. I think that that helps bring out that love in and helping normalize any expression, whether it's a gender expression or a personality expression, like, you don't have to change genders to go from prep to goth. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, everything about cosplay is about like experiencing a different character, like ex- like their experience and stuff. So like, um, as everything was happening in the last ten years, you know, where people were starting to fight for more civil rights through Tumblr, through Twitter, uh, cosplay like community was always like kind of at the forefront of it and and most of those people were the ones who were speaking out the most i mean like i know that a lot of people in the gaming community were doing that but i also felt that like cosplayers like that's where i got all my news from that's where i was seeing the forefront of of the fight for equal rights for um all like genders and and sexualities and so um it kind of just goes hand in hand like i'm i bet you're hard pressed to find cosplayers who aren't uh queer you know or, or at least queer accepting the, the, the like yeah. bare minimum it comes from the fringes it's like i don't yeah. think you will ever find a bigoted furry yeah <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah oh man They're, you gotta you gotta find that person and interview them That's not that <laughs> the one the 0.001 percent the yeah. racist furry. That's what <laughs> we'll have them on. Let's see what they got. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, uh, things are kind of heating up, so I want to make sure that there is some time uh, in this more uh, gender-neutral version of the podcast before things get explicit on the on the Patreon episode. I want to make sure to give you guys uh, any space and time that you want for shout-outs, places that you can be found. Of course, uh, there's tons of links that will be available in the description. Probably mostly all my links are link trees. Because you guys are all over and I love the amount of content you guys like you're generating and putting out into the world. So thank you so much for that. And I want to give the floor over to you for shout outs, things we've missed, anything that you want to tell the world, please share it with us now. So I, um, <laughs> I guess I, you can follow me on Twitch. I stream uh, about like three days a week and I stream baking. So if you want to like come and watch me bake, I, I'm trying to do bakes that are focused on like something nerdy. So like this week I was, I'm doing a uh, chainsaw man, which is a really awesome manga. And then, um, what else? Uh, follow me on YouTube and TikTok. I do a lot of anime themed content all the time. I feel like. Malika? Um, well, my main is my baby, HyperRPG. HyperRPG.com mm -hmm. is where you can find all the links, but we're always live streaming at slash HyperRPG uh, Monday through Friday, sometimes even Saturday and Sunday. And I just really want to emphasize Stella's TikTok. It's a joy. <laughs> it's a lesson in smart content creation, but it's just also really fun. What about you? You and your, you blew up on your like first TikTok. Oh, you oh don't even. I'm hiding. <laughs> I'm hiding. Uh, yeah, I'm also hello underscore Malika on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. Uh, DMs are open on Twitter. And I am trying to put more of the food stuff on the Instagram and TikTok and more of the gaming stuff on Twitter. Uh, so I don't scare my audience that's an anxiety that content creators often have so <laughs> blend it together embrace mm -hmm. the chaos <laughs> yeah all right well that's that's amazing thank you both for joining us today um we're going to head on over to patreon here in just a minute for probably some more explicit conversations so if you want uh all of all of the memes all of the tongues out uh, head on over to Patreon, sign in. We're gonna we're gonna go over there and hang out for a little while. So we'll see you over there. Thank you both for joining me at the Dungeons and Dinners table. It's been a blast. Yay! Yep. Thank you. So that's all for the episode today. Thank you all so much for listening. All the links and contact information discussed can be found down in the show notes. And if you want to keep in touch, you will find that I am most active on Twitter at and dinners. That's A N D D I N N E R S. If you're interested in supporting the show or interested in the entire backlog of exclusive bonus episodes like today's full-length, special, and explicit After Dark episode, or if you just want to help keep this podcast ad-free in general, consider tossing some coins over to patreon.com slash dungeonsanddinners. If you're looking for more great podcasts to listen to, check out my other broadcast, Pick Up Your Sticks. It's a long-form podcast about why gaming matters, hosted by myself and my dear friend, Walker Near. I'm really excited to be sharing this journey with you, and remember that love is this secret ingredient. Have a good day, friend. Thanks for stopping by.